The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Good evening and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for Round 8 versus Carlton. The game will be played on Sunday afternoon at Eddie Head Stadium. Joining me tonight, as always, is Macca19. How are you, Macca? Great, Porsche, my dear. How are we? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Pretty excited Away. about going to the game. Should be a, a, an interesting match, if nothing else. Oh, look, I was excited to go to uh, Port versus Carlton last year, and it was a disaster. So, you know. Well, you see, that's the difference between you and me, because I didn't go to that one last year. So. Oh, uh-huh. lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> yeah, and uh, obviously coming up a couple of wins it's good for us and Carlton are doing the same so it'll be a real revelation I suppose in terms of working out where the two teams are at um maybe maybe both are inflated maybe it'll be a physical game early on I think it'll be a good game this weekend but I guess we'll see and it is at Eddie Head where we don't do all that well but yeah no it should be a good game I'm looking forward to this one um I'm not going to be able to watch it live or I'm going to be working but uh so yeah hopefully I can uh, stay away from the score and come home and hopefully be surprised this week harder and harder to do that all the time though isn't it <laughs> it's very hard it's very very hard as i said in the preview last week um i didn't get to see the port brisbane game last year because i was working and mm. uh i was wearing my port hat and oh, no. every every second i was at a wine festival and every second person that came up said oh have you seen the score porter in front of then i was like oh what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully uh hopefully no one does the same i'm not going to be wearing a port hat this time so no one has any excuse to tell me the score <laughs> Yeah, you need to pick up. Um, my mum used to have a good protest for that sort of thing, and that she'd always have a radio, like a little radio or something, on her. So everywhere she went, like it, she'd sometimes miss games, but you know, if there was a game on, she'd be listening to it and she'd know the score, and she'd probably be the first one going around saying, "Hey, hey, you know, Treadway's kicked five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah, everyone loves that, don't they? Yeah. All right. Well, just there's a. I just noticed uh, through the Port website that today is a special day. It's the Port Adelaide Football Club's birthday. 146 years old today. So that's a nice little milestone, but uh, it's a good innings. Mm, but the question is, will we win our next premiership before the 150th in 2020? Oh, yeah, you'd hope so. God, you would, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, pretty grim if we hadn't. It's been a long time. It's, mm. uh, we're due for one, that's for sure. Yeah, and um, of course, the other news coming out of the day is uh, Crows fans harassing uh, Patrick Dangerfield on his return to Adelaide to play for, on Friday night which is quite amazing. Um, it things, seems like things haven't really moved on from uh, Dean Brogan giving Dale, was Dale Morris a punch in the face for uh, having a go at him at the airport. But uh, I guess it was Dale Mortimer, I think it was. Dale Mortimer, that's the one. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how would you feel? Honestly, like, I don't really like talking about the Crows when we don't have to, <laughs> but is there anything more moronic than a group of people going to the airport to have a go at a footballer. Like, they do it all the time. It, it yeah. seems to happen every second year that they get some sort of group together. There was the choir against Sydney for their final, which they lost, which was very humorous. They yeah. did it with Tipper earlier this year. What What is their obsession with having a go at footballers at the airport? I don't get it. It's really amazing. And with Patrick Dangerfield, I mean, I just feel like it's such an error. Like, we we knew this backlash was coming, right? But yeah. he's such a fair player. Like, you couldn't say he's a thug or anything. You couldn't say he made any grandiose promises to the crowd. Like, he's always sort of been, oh, we'll see how it goes. Um, and when he left, he did it fairly and he did it in a trade. He didn't, you know, do anything to screw the club over at all. Gave him plenty of warning and... He did everything you could possibly do to make a, an appropriate exit from the Crows to the club of his choice. Like, there's not much oh, else to play. Absolutely. And absolutely. to get this sort of vitriol is really unreasonable. And I think that's probably a mistake in terms of motivating him for this weekend. Oh, I hope he has 45 touches and kicks five goals, including the winner with uh, two seconds left from a free <laughs> kick. That'd be wonderful. Just, that would just be brilliant. But you're you're absolutely right. Like he left the Crows in the best possible way. Like he gave mm. absolutely everything to them last year mm. under really trying circumstances. Yep. Um, he left absolutely everything out on the field, and there's not much more that he could have done for that footy club. I don't think. Yeah, and um, I suppose any happy memories you might have of Adelaide, he's certainly not thinking about them right now. Um. <laughs> it's. it's 
Even more amusing that Crows fans like to have a go at Port fans for booing opposition players. Like you're you're going to the airport to boot <laughs> someone coming off the plane for God's sake. Like what is wrong with you people? Yeah, come it's on. Funny. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, look, let's move on. Um, now, as we've been doing previously, we were talking about how it's Port Adelaide's twentieth uh, season. We've been covering the games in 1997, but. Even though we won, honestly, I don't actually remember that game. So I thought, why not do the first time they met in Melbourne, which is a much better game, and it was the. I'm disappointed. Game. I was why? looking forward to. I was looking forward to talking about that '97 game. Oh, okay, you can feel that free. That was my favourite home game of that year. I know it was Jared Cotton's best game for Port Adelaide of the four he played. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I think it was uh, the night that um, Nathan Eagleton kicked his first goal as well. All oh. I remember is it was a night game. It was our biggest crowd of the year. It was. Just the best atmosphere. You could tell right from the first bounce that we were going to win the game. Yeah. Stephen Kernahan had an absolute shocker. Um, and, and that was the moment where I just sort of sat back and went, wow, we are really in the AFL here. This is this is wonderful. You know, Beating one of the big names, one of the big Victorian clubs who'd just come off a premiership a couple of years earlier. Um, That's true. It was, just a, it was just a great night. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, I have to say, I really can't remember the game at all, which is kind of strange because I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of feel the the match in nineteen ninety eight really just wiped it off the field, pretty much. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, and if you look back at that original team in ninety seven, there's a lot of unusual players in that list that um, didn't really make the distance, but that's okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, nineteen ninety eight. This one I picked, so deal with it, Macca. Um, yep. Port Adelaide, 25 goals, 15, 165. Defeated Carlton, 11 goals, 10, 76, which is a margin of 89 points. Uh, this was the big game. This is the one that really told the AFL, hey, you know, Port Adelaide had that good little winning, winning run at the start of 97, but then we had now had a superstar, and that was obviously Warren Treadray, uh, kicking eight goals and four points, taking a ridiculous 17 marks uh, in the forward line and 22 total possessions, um, capped off with doing his knee in the final quarter. Um, how much did you pack, Macca? I was packing it. <laughs> I was shattered, absolutely shattered. Oh. Like, here is a, a young player who a lot of Port fans would have followed for the previous few years. They would have seen him come through the Maggies. Mm. They would have seen him be an All-Australian Till Cup player, yep. played in a premiership in 96. Uh, didn't get much of a go in 97, broke his hand, I think, in his first game. Um, but then he came back, had some really good form to start 98 in little cameos here and there. Um, and then, bang, here is his breakout game. Eight goals, 17 marks. To quote Dennis Committee, if you would, if this was your first game watching AFL footy, you would think Warren Treadrow is the best player of all time. <laughs> like, well, it, is, it is really one of the, the best individual performances of the modern era, in my opinion. It, it just absolutely marked everything yeah. in sight. Just absolutely bananas. Um, and then he and then he does that, and then he does that at the end with like two <laughs> minutes left on the clock, and you just go, oh no, surely not, surely he's not going to do his knee, and that's going to be the end. And then you've just got these pictures running around of David Schwartz and missing three years in your head, yeah. and you're just like, oh no, this is this is the worst moment ever after such a big performance, terrible. Yeah, no, it was a, a pretty awkward moment. And just, um, actually, I just really realised that with that other quote you mentioned with Don, Dennis Committee, he made another one in that game. And I guess it's really the game in which I probably decided I like Dennis Committee as a commentator. Um, the, other, the other quote was, uh, today Port Adelaide has turned one of the oldest teams in the AFL into a punching bag, which was, that was a really satisfying quote. And I think I replayed mm. that. You know, I was hammering the rewind, play, rewind, play on my VCR for that one a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a shocking Carlton side, honestly. That was full of... Uh, Really old premiership yep. players like Matt Clappe and Ron Diulio and Peter Dean, all these guys that should have really sort of retired by then. Um, and Damien Lang, who really struggled to mm. get out of the port reserves in the SANFL for a couple of years. Yep. And Carlton sort of plucked him out of nowhere and suddenly he's playing AFL footy when he could barely play SANFL reserves. It was a, a strange decision, that one. Look, really, in a lot of ways, even though Carlton had a bit of success after that, I felt like that match could almost be pinpointed as the end of Empire um, mm. for Carlton. Basically, like before that, you know, as you said, they had the premiership a couple of years earlier. But after that point, they were they would, became a regular, normal team. They were just inconsistent, sometimes terrible. Yeah. Um, and then obviously having salary cap issues that saw them heavily penalised in the draft and hitting the bottom of the ladder for a very long time. Mm. Um, it, 
really is a pretty consequential game, I think, in AFL history, but probably only Port yeah. fans remember it. <laughs> I think the one thing that, I, outside of uh, Treadray's performance, the one thing that I always remember from that game was the mm. performance of all the key forwards. That was the day yeah. that those those three young guns really delivered. Obviously, uh, Bowser kicked three goals. Paul Evans chipped in with two, mm. probably played his best game of AFL footy as well. Um. So, yeah, it was one of those days where you thought, God, this future's looking pretty good here. Yeah, and especially with Lockwood, um, I saw, for whatever reason, I seem to remember him doing some dirty stuff up forward, which was a nice counterpart to Warren Treadway being, you know, the clean, highly skilled key forward. Gives you a bit of edge to have that second type of player there. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways, it's really, that was kind of like the peak of the two forward, or arguably three forward structure for Port in the AFL, I think. Like, we've had yeah. little bursts of it otherwise, with maybe a bit of Thurston's up forward, or the occasional Damon White. But other than that, like that was it, really. That was Warren Treader and Byron Lockwood. It was, was everything we had there. Yeah. Um, the other big performance um, was Nick Stevens, who yeah. had only just started his AFL career. That's true. Um, he was manning uh, Big Anthony Kudafides on the wing, who was a, a superstar of the competition at that point. Yep. And here's a kid in his third game, and he just absolutely took him to the cleaners. Mm. It's really easy to forget how good Nick Stevens was for a young player. Um, like he absolutely tore it up against Fremantle around that time as well um, in his mm. first season for us, and just absolutely. And he was their best. And I know there's a lot of people who disagree, but he, I still think he was their best player in the year that he got traded. Or, or sorry, got not traded, delisted, and everything awful happened. Um, oh yeah, you know he, he had was, a massive year in 2003. He, he was, was a phenomenal top performer, absolutely. Um, and like if he even talked about saying, oh, you know, a player that had put in the, the numbers and the effort and had the potential that Nick Stevens had at that point in his career and say, oh, late first round, late, sec- late second round, we'll get you that. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think even now, even with all the, the fairly devaluation of picks in a lot of ways, I don't think that'll get you close. But mm. there you well, go. Like, at, the, at the time, that was very similar to the player we just spoke about, Patrick Dangerfield. Like, yeah, he true. was... He was young. He was an absolute superstar of the competition. Just came off a massive year. Um, yeah, it was, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that match, of course, um, good old Danny Morton and Josh Franco both both kicked three goals. Um, Brendan Laid stepped up and got 20 hitouts, 16 marks himself, which amusingly, you know, it's not many times any player takes 16 marks as a as a tall player and doesn't get a Brownlow vote, but he didn't. And yeah, on possessions, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was very much an all-played well for Port Adelaide. You'd have to say in a lot of ways when you've got people like, uh, scoring that sort of uh, um, Italian, really not getting recognised in, yeah. in, the, in the Brownlow. But there you go. Well, look, Franco and Morton kicked a couple of absolute stunning goals yeah. from the boundary. I always remember that. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's mindful to note that I think Matty Primus went off in a, about two minutes into the match. Well, he went off pretty much straight away. He hurt himself. And from memory, Darren Mead went off with concussion at quarter time as well. So to have that end result winning by 89 points when you've got two of your best players uh, sitting on the bench for pretty much the whole game, uh, it was just a stunning effort. Absolutely. And uh, look, we had another uh, comment from the uh, Spreaker chat forum, which you can join up if you're listening now or go into the chat forum and have a bit of a say, um, from Stu Howes reminding us, and I've had a couple of reminders, that we had the teal socks in this game, which did. Argu- arguably made both excellent and horrifying that game to watch forever. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really... Oh, you just look like an M&M out there, really. I mean, it, it was bizarre. It's like someone. It's like someone made a bet with the players, and the players lost, so they had to wear ridiculous socks for the footy match. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the level of how ridiculous it looked for the game, and yeah, uh, that great moment sort of spoiled by that ridiculous uniform. I, I don't mm. think there've been many cases where a, a classic game has been spoiled to that extent before. No, probably not. <laughs> Uh, and, of course, that was um, Warren Treadray kicked eight goals, which was the highest score by a player for Port in the AFL at the time. I don't think that's been beaten, has it? I'm pretty, no, sure, pretty it sure it's still uh, still number one. I think yeah. Port did kick eight, eight goals for, I think. I think that's uh, still number one. So. Yeah, sounds about yeah. right. And so just quickly thinking back on that two-forward structure, do we think that we're heading towards that again, hopefully, maybe sometime? Dixon and maybe one of Butcher or Schultz or someone else coming up and being a multi-key position forward set up, or is that really just gone the way of the dodo for Port Adelaide? Oh, well, as I said, it was really a, a, a try uh, forward structure. So I'd love to see Dixon, uh, Schultz and Howard up there, to be honest. Mm. See how that goes. 
I think I think Dixon and Schultz is definitely the best forward matchup that we've got um, on our squad. I think Schultz is uh, or should have been crucial to our success this year um, because it would have taken a lot of pressure off of Dixon. Um, and as I've said in the last few podcasts, I think it's stunning that we've just sort of dropped that structure, really. Um, mm. It's because Schultz got injured. But, yeah, hopefully he plays again. It's interesting, isn't it? And uh, mm. we just had another comment from the Speaker Forum uh, from Todd Bell asking, will Dixon ever kick eight goals or more for Port Adelaide? Tough, I would hope it? so. Hopefully this really week. Nice. Do we... I don't know that those... I mean, those opportunities just don't really come up these days, do they? Really? No, I mean, the, the only player that sort of does it uh, is Josh Kennedy, and he only really yeah. does it once a year. So, True. Um, but he's maybe done it two or three times in the last sort of five or six years, and, and that's about it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. apart from Josh Kennedy, there's really no one that does that. So, uh, I mean, you'd hope that... Um, I mean, I would love to see Dicko kick, uh, kick a big bag like that. That'd be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Macca... I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're now going to have to talk about the last time they met, which, of course, was uh, round 12 on the 20th of June at the MCG. Uh, Carlton, 17 goals, 8, 110, defeated Port Adelaide, 16 goals, 10, 106, which is a four-point win. Uh, Chad Wingard kicked five goals, so he you'd have to say he kind of did his bit. Uh, and the Hoff, Robbie Gray and Travis Bokor kicked two. Um, Lobby dominated hitouts. He actually had two more total hitouts than the entire Carlton side, which included Kreutzer, who was held to just 17. But uh, at the end of the day, that didn't really matter. Um, Cripps and Murphy were really pretty clearly right up there as players on the ground. Um, nine clearances and ten clearances uh, to Cripps and Murphy and you know, 31 disposals, 29 disposals. Uh, Cripps had a game high of 12 tackles. It just really didn't matter what we did in the ruck at all. And we just really got creamed as a midfield unit. Um, Macca, how do you how do you see the, the matchup going this week, seeing they both seem to be in pretty decent form still? <sighs> Memories of that game. Just mm. shocking. Just absolutely shocking. I mean, we pinpointed that game as one of the ones to go over for, so we, we decided to do it. Thought, well, Carlton are on the way up. I think most people at the start of last year thought that was going to happen. A lot of people predicted them to make the finals last year. Obviously, they were an absolute shambles. Um, sacked their coach, um, I think, a couple of weeks before that. And uh, we just never looked like uh, winning that game after quarter time. You know, I thought we had a really good first quarter. Um Maybe a little bit loose, but they went bang, bang, bang in that second quarter. Kicked, I think, four goals in about six minutes, and that was pretty much the game. And even though we came back, um, obviously uh, Robbie got uh, concussed in the uh, just at the end of the second quarter, um, and he was probably the, our best player at that point in time. Um, and then we never really looked like it until that sort of big surge um, in the last mm. quarter, where where I think we kicked four or five goals in about six minutes ourselves, and. Look, we, we had plenty of time to win that game. You know, we got within three points with, I think, um, about 10 or 12 minutes left on the clock. Yep. Just couldn't do it. Just just could not do it. And I know a lot of people sort of, uh, their memories of that game will be the umpiring and the umpire taking the mark and, you know, the, the touched for Cahoon, which, you know, was it touched or was it not touched? But in the end, if you're losing to a team that's bottom of the ladder for the second time in about what, three or four weeks, as we mm. did at that stage... You know, questions had to be asked at that point in time. That match, I feel in a lot of ways, is really flipping the switch between that um, we're never out of a game to, oh, we're out of a game, <laughs> as yeah. being sort of the Port Adelaide ethos when we were a little bit down or under the pump. Um, yeah. We kept coming back and, you know, on that, sort of, that sort of loss when you've just had a final series where that's sort of cost you um, and, a, you know, a few last few games where that potentially cost you as well going into the finals and just... Never give up is great, and it was really good for us for a while. But this is really the game. I think where it all kind of fell apart, and I just wonder if we can actually get that back in terms of having that confidence mm. to just keep firing and firing and get a lead back from a fair way back if we need to. Yeah. Although, well, as you said, I mean, Chad Wigard had a great game. He kicked five goals. Uh, Ollie was good. Uh, Travis Boak had uh, twenty-seven and two, I think. Um, but there was a lot of uh, poor performances out there. That's for sure. Absolutely. Let's um, never speak of it again. <laughs> I'm very happy to never speak of that again unless we... I can't think of a reason why we might need to unless we're trying to talk about what was the worst possible game we've had against Carlton in the context of a season. Um, mm. In which case, hopefully, let's talk about it then because I don't want to say that again this week. No. And speaking of this week, I guess it's time to talk about the game that's coming up. Um, mm-hmm. the, ins, the ins and outs are pretty dull this week. Um, they're pretty much the same players in 
to the uh, 25 as last week. Carl Amon, Dougal Howard and Sam Gray are all named. Um, and there's no one been dropped out of the side as yet. Um, the bench is listed as Stewart, Amon, Tumpus, Howard, Byrne Jones, Sam Gray and Cracker. Um, looking at that, I'm really not convinced that um, any of the ins will replace any of the other players on that bench. What do you think? Yeah. On face value, I would think we're going in unchanged. I think we might take uh, a couple of emergencies and make the decision on the day, but um, there's nothing that really sort of stands out immediately that I would do. I'd love to see Dougal Howard back in the side. I'd like to see him and Trengove um, as a bit of a tandem in the ruck. Um, but I'm not not really sure who you drop. I mean, the, I guess the... I don't know. Maybe for me, the the, uh, the main one might be Nathan Cracker because I don't think he's really sort of set the world on fire in his first two weeks back in the side. But um, outside of that, I would think we're going in unchanged. I kind of disagree with you on Nathan Cracker um, in that I feel he's definitely a player that steps up when there's a bit of pressure in the defence. And that's really important in games that you're feeling like you're not certain about uh, how you're going to perform and how your consistency is going to be. Because you know that if he gets it in the back line, then he's going to do something with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so in that case, I mean, we're really not making a change, are we? Because I, I don't think Stewart's going to come out. Um, you know, he's been pretty solid. Um, Tumpus is doing his job. Ben Jones has been a star. Hmm. You know, there, there's no one really to come out of that lineup, I don't think. And look, you know, we've had two really good wins on the trot. Why not go in unchanged? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I know it's a hobby horse of mine, but I mean, I think Stewart's the one that would drop out if there was one. Um, and that would be for Howard, just because I feel that his mobility will be fine. Um, he's playing under a roof, so you know that mobility is going to be a factor in the game for sure. Mm. Um, and T- Tringo, I kind of feel he's had his 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 debut t- night. He's come out and he's wowed all of the the charming one lads, and now he's got a. Um, everyone's like, oh well, that was interesting. Who's the next person, and how do we shut this one down? So yeah. I kind of I kind of think that we need more options in ruck than we've got. Um, it's entirely feasible, you know. With someone like Westhoff, he should be playing forward at Eddie Had. Um, there's nothing that would interfere with his game there um, in terms of the best way he plays, in my view. So I'd rather yeah. much rather have him out forward than in ruck supporting Trengove. Um, I can't see Stewart getting dropped because with Bobby playing for the Maggies this week, Trengove in the ruck. That leaves us with uh, Homsch and Jonas to look after, to look after Casbolt and Jones. Uh, they've also got Andre Everett, who's um, you know pretty tall himself. So yeah. you would think Stewart would probably play on him, um, and that would be a pretty clear matchup for him. And and he's a player that really sort of uh, had a great game against us last year and has been in pretty good form this year as well. So oh, um, been, they're probably the matchups that I would look for. Everett's not been in great form. I mean, he kicked three goals last week, but apart from that, he's what kicked two goals in three games. Um, yeah, all right. I like him as a player. I think he's come along really well and had a really good year last year. And um, yeah, don't know. That's why I don't think Stewart's going to be dropped. So. No, fair enough. All right. Um, now we just have a quick look at the Carlton Inns. Um, really, there's not a lot to say here. Uh, it just looks like they're preparing so that they can select a squad that matches whatever they think we're going to pick. Um, they're bringing in Simon White, Dylan Buckley, and Nick Graham. Um, and no outs again as yet because it's a squad of 25. Um, I assume that, I mean, Eddie had will have the roof closed, I'd assume, just to be sure, or what do you think? Because that will affect things. I hope so because it's an absolute prick to watch the game when the sun's out and the roof's open. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I really do hope they close the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if look, if the roof is closed, then I guess you could get by with just Trengovin, right? But... Given the way our rucks have been sort of falling lately and Frampton doing his ankle um, again, then you'd sort of think, how can we really afford not to have like a ruckish backup? I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll drop that. I'll drop that. We've talked about it enough. <laughs> um, now, interestingly for Carlton, there's a milestone game, actually a double milestone. One is for Michael Jamison, who's played 150 games as of this match. Uh, and the big one is Cade Simpson, 250 games, which... Um, it's pretty amazing. Honestly, I remember before he was drafted, and I think, oh, yeah, there's nothing special about that player. And uh, he's hung in there for a very long time. Uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the few survivors of the terrible 2002 national draft, which, um, just as a reminder, we drafted Stephen Salapek and Stephen Gillum um, and a couple other players. Jay Schultz's draft as well, actually. Uh, he's been a good contributor for the Blues, but looking at the all-time uh, list of Carlton players... 
He's got a career game winning rate of 40%, which makes him comfortably the least winning member of the 250 games club for Carlton. Um, by comparison, Craig Bradley is at a 59% winning rate for his entire Carlton career. Bruce Stool is at 68%. And so for Cade Simpson to come in at 40%, that's a real sign of how much Carlton's changed since the good old days, really. Oh, look, he's been up against it because I guess he was he drafted has. the year that they lost their draft picks yep, from memory. Exactly. I think 2002 was the year they lost their first two draft picks. And then, you know, they've been up against it ever since then, really, to, to mm. <laughs> have any sort of decent seasons. I guess they had a, a couple of sort of final seasons um, a few years back, five or six years back. But um, outside of that, yeah, hasn't really probably been all that successful time for the Blues. But Cade Simpson, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. It's staggering that he's made 250 games, considering his first three games he didn't record a disposal. (laughs) I think he he only recorded uh, more than two touches in one of his first nine games or something. So he had a really slow start to his career, and he's probably turned out to be a pretty good player in the end. I mean, I've... There's been long stages of his career where I haven't really rated him. Um, Mm. But, you know, he's, he's... battled on and you know he's a good sort of outside runner and delivers the ball well and has been able to change his game to a to a back flank pretty well the last sort of two or three seasons yeah it's um he's one of those players where you sort of think if he had been at a better side he might have had a bit more trouble staying in it been been more of a say of a tom logan situation but Mm. i just don't feel he was ever really i don't feel his spot was ever really pressured by carlton they had too many other spots to recruit for and Cade was doing okay, so they just stuck with him pretty much and it's sort of yeah. paid out paid off fairly well, I think, for both parties, given the circumstances and good on him. You know, he's a good bloke as far as we can tell. Haven't had any horrible rumours about him at least, so that's good. Um, mm. yeah. But hopefully he loses for this 250th. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Mm. Now I have got a question which I will answer, which is um, what tea am I having tonight? The tea is Raspberry Rush from T2. Uh, combined with a little bit of uh, amaretto and some of the Turkish cherry, um, not tea, but whatever it is, they sell it from tea too, and that makes an interesting flavour. Anyway, mm. back to business. How do we match there up on them? Um, rucks. Ruck situation we sort of discussed a little bit in the last time they met. Uh, Kroos is the lead ruck still. He's really not... I don't think he's ever really lived up to that number one draft pick status, if you if you think about him um, as a ruckman, in my view. Uh, and traditionally... Oh, definitely not. And last year, Lobby absolutely towed him up. But I don't know, does having not Lobby there, is this, is this one of the few matchups where having Lobby in the side would actually be a, an advantage to Port Adelaide? Uh, I don't mind Cruiser. I think he's had an okay career. I think he's been sort of screwed over by the fact that he did his knee um, pretty early on in the piece, I think. Uh, you know, he's had, he's had a few injuries and you know, probably at the wrong time of his, his development. Um, missed a few seasons here and there. Uh, but outside of that, whenever he gets on the park, he's not too bad. He's mobile, can take a mark, can kick goals. Um, Loby's a pretty good matchup for him, I think, because he's not someone that sort of uh, has a big leap. So Loby's yeah. um, you know, got a bit of an advantage there. Uh, so it probably wouldn't have been all that bad an idea to uh, to play Loby this week if he was available. Mm. Um, but look, I think, uh, you know, as I just said, I, the reasons why I think Loby would have done well, you know, Trengo should also do well, really. So. Um, you know, it's it's one ruck against one ruck. Andrew Phillips isn't playing this week, no. so uh, we'll see how we go. Fair enough. So we're feeling we're feeling mildly confident. Then would that be a fair summary? Pretty confident about the uh, the ruck uh, okay. the ruck matchup this week for sure. Now, the, the big one, Murphy and Cripps. What are we going to do? They tailed us up last time. What 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 do we have in our toolbox that we can use to make it so they don't kill us? Uh, prayer. I think, um, <laughs> is is a good place to start. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Cripps is just a great young player, isn't he? I mean, probably not uh, the most athletic kid going around, but, you know, 194 centimetre inside mid. That's, yeah. uh, you know, I think he's uh, second in the league in clearances at the moment, averages mm-hmm. 23 touches a game. Um, you know, he's just an absolute young superstar of the competition. And Mark Murphy, he's someone that um, just always seems to play his best against Port for some reason, which yeah. is uh, really annoying because I don't particularly rate Mark no. Murphy all that highly. I think he's a bit of an annoying little scud, to be honest, but um, just always seems to save his best for Port. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as matchups, I'm just reading um, about um, Darcy Byrne-Jones a little bit earlier and about how he's called Hank because of um, the film Me, Myself and Irene and the split personality. You think? Do you <laughs> yeah. think that given the current good form Byrne-Jones is in, do you shift him to maybe a tagger position on one of those players, maybe Murphy for this week and see how he goes? 
I think uh, Darcy would make a fantastic tagger. Oh, yeah. I think um, you know, he's got the pace. He's got that sort of nuggety inside thing. He loves a tackle, can cop a hit. Um, I think he'd be perfect in that sort of role. Um, but I, I guess it really depends on where Murphy plays. I mean, if he plays mm-hmm. up forward, um, I would think Burn Jones would be the perfect matchup there. If he plays for the midfield, um, probably wouldn't be playing Burn Jones through there just yet, I don't think. But You sure? I mean, I'd be pretty tempted, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like well, it'd if... be interesting to see how he went, but um, yeah. yeah, not sure. Okay, fair enough. Um, moving on to the forward line, um, obviously Carlton made a big show of trading out a lot of forwards last year, so I don't think I don't think there's all that much to worry about as far as the forward line itself. Casbolt's okay, um, mm. but they haven't scored 100 points this year. That forward line at Carlton, uh, admittedly they've been playing a, a fairly defensive game, but just the fact they've had trouble getting on the scoreboard, it really makes me doubt their impact um, and makes me think that you know the fact mm. that we're overloading our defence should mean that they're really not an issue for us at all, and hopefully will mean we've got more opportunities for creative play coming on the rebound. Mm. You disagree, Maka? Oh, I'm hearing a lot of the things that we heard last year yeah. <laughs> before we played them. Absolutely. So um, you just can't write them off, really. When you lose to a team like that, you yeah. can't write them off the next time you play them, especially on their home park as well. So, look, on face value, Casbolt and Jones don't give me any sort of nightmares at all. Um, Casbolt's kicking is just horrendous at times. Uh, Liam Jones just really struggles to get involved in the game for long stretches of the of, of, of the match. Um, so if we can shut them down, which you would hope we could this year, uh, we should be really limiting them to sort of under 10 goals, I would hope. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that's a reasonable objective, and I know you're saying that we should not be underestimating them, but I'm totally going to underestimate them personally. I think that the last couple of win- I think the last couple of wins we've had have been about frustrating clean delivery to the forward line. Um, yeah. And with Casbolt and Jones, they need pretty clean delivery. You know, I don't think I don't think they're yeah. more formidable than the previous forward lines we've dealt with. Um, in the last couple of weeks. So, so I don't see, unless... The only thing that can really give them that clear advantage is if they get on top in midfield, which I think brings us back to, again, our weakest area on the field for this match. Is if they get good supply, then we're in trouble. But if we can frustrate that supply to the forward line, and I, I, I really don't think we should be worried about him at all. But... Uh, oh, look, Levi Casbolt had probably his career best game last week. Kicked mm. three goals, had seven contestant marks. He looked like Warren Treadray out there. He looked absolutely yeah. fantastic. But you just know that he could very easily revert back to the um, the player we all sort of know he is this week. And I guess uh, considering we're playing him, you'd, you'd hope that's the case. But um, I would think someone like Homsch would be the perfect matchup for yep. Casbolt. Should be able to uh, to spoil him pretty easily in the air. Jonas should be able to account for Liam Jones. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, we'd be playing sort of Stewart on Everett and hoping that um, some of our runners can get the ball and run it out of defence. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, all right. And as for their defence, um, obviously Charlie Dixon's had a bit of a bit of fortune the last couple of weeks in not having the number one defender available. How do you rate our forward line's chances against the Carlton defence this week? Oh, Sam Rowe's a pretty good defender. Um, he's big and bulky, strong. Um, so he should be able to match up pretty well on Charlie Dixon, I would think. Um, the place where I would be hoping to get an advantage is Westhoff. Mm. Um is him playing on someone like Plowman? You know, he's got the height, uh, got the experience. He should be able to run him ragged, really. Yeah, and not just. I think the thing about Westhoff that catches players out, and particularly, I suppose, less experienced players out, is that it's not always running. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. just that weird drifting he does around in weird little arcs and all that sort of thing, where yeah. it's quite easy to lose track of him and he finds that little bit of space and can take advantage. And I really think that, like, Eddie had should be should be an oval, which he does that regularly. Um, I don't know. I might be being unreasonable, but I really feel like that's a game where... I, I feel this is a week that Westhoff, if he's going to have a good week in this year, I think there's probably a week he should be planning on having that good week, frankly. I, I would be hoping for 10 marks and, you know, three or four goals from Justin yeah. this week. Yeah, I agree. I think that's pretty reasonable. It's probably, yeah. it's probably entirely unreasonable, but, you know, I think it's reasonable anyway. All right. Now, the game in general. Um, the coach, new coach for Carlton, obviously, Brendan Bolton. Uh, they start off with, what, three or four losses and they've got three wins and they're hoping to go for four wins in a row for the first time in something like five years. Um, 
obviously with coaches a little bit more, little bit more on the table, we say, oh, are we worried about them? How do we match up? But we haven't played him. So what's your view of Brendan Bol- Bolton's uh, resurgence for the Blues in recent weeks? He's done all right. I mean, he's got them playing pretty good footy. And mm. I thought they would win the spoon this year. So for them to win three on the trot is, yeah. uh, is pretty good for them. So, yeah, he's, he's doing well with, uh, with a squad which doesn't have a lot of experience and probably doesn't have a lot of A-grade players. So, you know, he's getting the best out of uh, a couple of young kids there. Um, I think guys like uh, Kerridge have been a revelation um, for the Blues. Um, Matty Wright's come across from the Crows as well and is playing really good footy, averaging sort of career-best figures right across the park. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got them playing uh, some pretty mean footy. Do you think, because this is always a thing with new coaches, that sometimes they get these little winning runs and sometimes it's just that the players have come out of an era which they're not very happy with, maybe relationships with the coach and whatever else, and they just want a, a higher confidence, higher new, new positivity in their eyes. Do you think that's really what we're seeing right now? The honeymoon is very much in swing for Brendan Bolton at Carlton? And do you think that maybe it's running out after three wins in a row? I hope so. Mm. <laughs> I hope it runs out. I mean, you look at the opposition they've played in the last three weeks. It's Frio, who are uh, winless. Um, Essendon, who obviously have half a team. Yeah. And Collingwood, who've um, been a disaster so far this year. So it's not like they've been any one of uh, any real note at this point. But um, in any case, uh, still a danger game, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we just had a couple of questions from the um, game thread, or sorry, the, the podcast thread for the game. Um, one question from Terra, formerly Dr. Fuel, which I'll just go back to Dr. Fuel, mate. This is terrible. Um, are we in danger of focusing too much on Terra. Gibson Casbolt? <laughs> are we in danger of focusing too much on Gibson Casbolt? Uh, possibly. Possibly. I mean, Gibbs has had a, a monster year. Um, you know, 26 touches and a goal a game. He's sort of relishing that outside link up role, uh, which he plays pretty well. Um, so, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, we might be in danger of focusing too much on them, but they've also got other good players. So I would hope that we would sort of share the load a little bit. As I said, you know, Kerridge has been fantastic. Wright's been really good. They've got Cripps there. They've got Murphy, who always kills us. Yeah, they've got a lot of players that uh, that could need shutting down or could get uh, could get let off the leash a little bit, I guess. So do you think Gibbs might be one of those players that we're going to let off the leash? Gibbs might be one that might, uh, maybe we might not think he's uh, the most dangerous player on the park. Uh, we might sort of concentrate on someone else and that might allow him to um, get a bit of ball, you know, this week. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like if we can, if we're picking, you know, name players to negate, then Murphy and Cripps is the top of that list. And if we do a decent, halfway decent job on them, then Gibbs is really not that important, I guess, is my view. Yeah. I mean, the same could be said of Cade Simpson as well. I mean, if we stop yeah. their inside midfielders from getting the bowl, then Gibbs and Simpson have no chance of having any sort of impact, really. That's very true. All right. Uh, another question from Ha Wingard, which... I, I, how do you even say that name? Um, Broadbent in the middle. What do we think about Broadbent in the middle? Do you think he'll go in defence, potentially, again? Uh, I, think, um, I think we might see him play a lot more in the midfield this week, to be honest. Hmm. I like almost a full game. You think so? Okay. Yep. Yep. That's an interesting idea. I don't know how I feel about that. I like it. I've liked his stints in the middle of the last couple of weeks, um, and I'd like to see him play a lot more in there, to be honest. Yeah, all right. I think he's a great midfielder, and I think sometimes... He can get a little bit lazy and maybe the coaches can be a little bit lazy in just allowing him to play that loose man down back sort of role. Um, and I'd love to see him sort of in the guts a bit more. Yeah, all right. Well, if that happens this week, I'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully, hopefully we give it a go. And if we can find another good midfielder, that'd be really great because uh, Sam Gray's sort of tailed off and we need to fill that spot, don't we? So why yeah, not? Absolutely. Uh, and just one more. Oh, actually, I've got two more questions, but this one's kind of a stupid one. It's coming from Eddie Dingle, so of course it is. Um, are Tumpus, Young, Butcher and Dixon leading the Brownlow? Um, <laughs> if you combine them uh, into one player, their total number of Brownlow votes, I really think only Young and Dixon from those four might have got a vote, and there'd probably only be one or two here or there, so no. Um, they're probably not even the leading vote-getter for Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, Look, and You're undervaluing them, I think. Oh, really? Especially Butcher. I think Butcher might be leading the brown line. Possibly the... <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I'd have to double check the stats, but he might even be leading the Coleman. So, I don't know. There's, there's no doubt if the Brownlow is voted for by fans that John Butcher would be the Port Adelaide highest vote getter. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just just going back on Broadbent for a little bit, is there a yeah. need for Broadbent to really play on a back flank anymore if Nathan Crack is still in the side? Do we need right. O'Shea and Impey and Pittard and Stewart and Cracker and Broadbent playing that sort of half-back role? You know, I mean, I think there's a real spot there for Brody to play in that midfield position full-time, especially if guys like... Um, as you said, Sam Gray's out of the side. Archie hasn't really set the world on fire so far this year. We still need another sort of second string midfield option that can win clearances and get the ball forward. No, fair enough. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that if you're talking about setting up for a press sort of team, is that you need to have versatile players. So you need to be able to have players that can go to different positions to make certain matchups work. So when you've got someone that can play forward and in midfield, then you need someone that can play defence and in midfield that is of decent quality to go with them. Um, yep. With MP, obviously, we've got someone that can sort of be a bit forward, be a bit half-backy, but probably not last line of defence, and that's a good asset as well. Like The more we can make these players versatile, then really the more versatile a team we have uh, and the more able we are to make individual matchups. If Again, if we're, if we're going to become more team play-based, more press-based, we really need to start getting that kind of um, varying skill sets into players rather than having dedicated defenders. So I guess the more I think about it, yeah. the more I think, yeah, probably in the middle is probably a good thing to do. And if we're going to do it, we should probably do it for a while as well. Yeah. Oh, look, back flankers have been a bit of an in-joke for us on the forum for a long time. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, it seems like this year we've just gone, ah, stuff, let's just go all in. Let's just name every back flanker in our squad in the team <laughs> at once and see how we go. Well, we even had talk about um, bringing Riley Bonner in to play a half-forward role. Obviously, he's a half-back flanker pretty much as well. So, um, I mean, he can play half-forward, I think. But anyway, yeah. And, of course, we still want to play Hamish Hartlett across half-back as well. Yeah, that's right. Let's just name everyone down there and see what happens. Maybe we just sort of turn this unofficially into a, a team that doesn't recognise offside and uh, just, that recognises offside and just have everyone start the game behind the centre line um, every match. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and one last one from Raman, which is the worst question in the world, but I'm going to ask it just so he's exposed. Will Dixon kick eight and dislocate his kneecap? That's wow. really... Uh, I've asked that. You don't have to answer it. It's a terrible question, and I am touching wood while I'm asking you. It, would, so you would okay. see me in the fetal position in the corner. That's that's where <laughs> I would be at that point in time. Uh, I'd like to Dixon kick eight and dislocate someone else's kneecap. That'd be good. <laughs> That's probably more likely too, actually, really. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we'll move on now to our regular segment, which is Fringe Force 5, where we talk through week by week uh, one of the five players that have probably at the start of the year looked like they were the most fringe. And we've come around again to everyone's favourite player, Big Johnny Butcher. Butcher! Butcher. So we've got him uh, really having his career under a bit of a cloud right now. Um, obviously drafted early in the 2009 draft. He's 24 years old. He's played 28 games. So, Macca, what's going on? What, what is going on with John Butcher? Talk, tell me about John Butcher. He's having a good year in the SANFL. He's played yeah. really consistent footy. He's taking marks. He's kicking goals. He's having an impact on a regular basis. And he's always been a player that's played a really good week and people get excited. And then the next week he gets like one mark and two kicks and that's it. Um, but this year he's limited that. He's, uh, he's sort of raised his floor of his performance. Um, and he's playing really well. And, you know, I mean, there's even a possibility he might get games. So you never know. <laughs> you have to kind of wonder, like, this is the big question on Butcher for me, which is that in previous years you could say, oh, well, Butcher doesn't come in because he's inconsistent. Mm. But now that he's being consistent and there's a clear, I mean, there really is, there's a clear need for a second key forward in that side, in the top side. Yeah. What is he doing wrong that he's not getting selected? You know, what what is the missing part of his game at SANFL level that he could add to it to prove to mm. the coaches that he's worth selecting? He's still for a key forward. He's just coming into his prime. He's had a little bit of experience, but he desperately needs more. Um, what do you, what do we, what's I don't going know. On? I honestly don't know. I'm I'm wondering if uh, maybe the coaches got spooked from the showdown when we had. Uh, Dixon and Howard and Westhoff, and we just look too slow up there. Um, so I'm just wondering if they've canned that uh, three-toll forward line um, sort of structure because of that. 
I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing wrong at the moment, to be honest. Um, maybe it's just a case of, you know, maybe it's because Youngie's had an impact uh, and that might have been a little bit unexpected. And maybe he's sort of stolen uh, Johnny Butcher's spot. Yeah, but even if we say, like, if we say that Young has taken Monfrey's spot from last year, so that's mm. still the same number of players and the same number of spots, really. Yeah. Then we still have room for Butcher in the team last year. So what's what's changed? What, what's really changed that we now definitely only want one key forward in the side? Not sure. I, I really don't know. I would mm. be happy to see Butcher play, to be honest. But there, there must be something that he's not doing. I mean, we've gone through this before in years gone yeah. past where he's sort of kicked, you know, four or five goals. And, you know, in 2014, he was leading the Ken Farmer for a while and still couldn't get a look in. Um, but he wasn't actually playing good footy when he was kicking those goals. Like, he was having long periods of the game where he just wasn't in it at all. Um, but I think he's really changed his tune this year. So, I don't know, maybe it's just a, a matter of, uh, of biding his time. Uh, and maybe a game might be around the corner for him. You see, even that, for me, like, I'm going to argue that even though this is not actually the case he's trying to make, even then, if you say he's got to bide his time, like he's 24... He's not got a lot of experience. He, if he can't spend a year or two biding his time, because then by the time he gets his chance, he'll be 26 with only 28, 30 games under his belt. Um, how are you going to improve from that? How are you going to get up to AFL speed and then still have a decent AFL career? Like, what is the like? I, I kind of feel like if he isn't playing at least 10 games this year, he's done at Port and he's probably done in the AFL, really. Oh, he's not going to play 10 games this year. Yeah. Well, he's, I, I would, I would highly doubt that. Unless he comes in and kicks three or four goals in the first week and sort of has regular sort of two-goal performances, I, I can't see him playing 10 games this year. I'd be surprised. I was just about to ask the question, do you think he'll even play one game this year? If, if There's two questions there. Is Do I think he will play one game and do I think he should play one game? And the answer is I do think he should play one game. I think he should probably be playing this week. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, he should be playing next week against West Coast. Um, and I do think he should be getting a, a good, you know, a, a decent run, at least at least getting the opportunity in what looks like being his final year to prove that he can play a role at AFL level, that he can translate this consistency he's found at SNFL level to the top level. I, I really think he yeah. probably... If, if Otherwise, why did we keep him on the list, really? Well, we gave him the contract before the whole Dixon thing sort of happened. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just been timing. Maybe if Dixon sort of made it clear he'd come to port before Butcher re-signed, maybe we wouldn't have re-signed Butcher. Yeah, and I guess there was doubt over Schultz as well, whether he'd be playing for us or Frio, wasn't there? So, yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. All right. Do you see him staying on the list beyond this year? Um, if he played games this year, then I would be okay potentially, depending on how he performs with him staying loose. But if he doesn't play games this year, then no, he should be gone. Um, by every measure, there's no reason to keep him on the list if he doesn't play games this year. If he doesn't, if he doesn't play at least five games this year, that's a minimum. I would say you don't keep him on the list. I think no matter how many games he plays, we're not going to keep him next year. Mm. We're going to put our eggs in the Howard basket and watch him develop. Yeah. Well, then I guess the next question is, are we going to draft key forwards this year? <laughs> well, Cause we're probably we, probably, gonna... we probably should. I mean, we're going to have Ryder back, so yeah, that's, that's something. Leave... I mean, it, it really depends what happens with Loby. Do we keep Loby? Do we trade Loby? Is he going to be all right with Ryder in the side? You know, obviously Ken's made these sort of quasi-promises that Loby and Ryder are going to play together. Obviously, can't play ruck at the same time, so Ryder's played really good footy last year as a forward. Um, don't know. I mean, I would still like to see us draft another key forward because I think uh, we need to keep um, young key forwards coming through. Um, so that would be certainly on my agenda. Uh, is it on the club's agenda? I'm not sure. Well, look, I mean, if we're looking at our key forward stocks this year, right, we've got Justin Westhoff, who's going to be completing his 10th season at the AFL, which means he's, what, 28? Well, no, he's older than that because he was drafted older. So he's 30-something now, isn't he? He's pushing 30, yeah. Yeah. We've got Jay Schultz, who we just don't know is actually going to come back well from his injury, and he keeps getting injured all the time, and he's on one-year contracts already, so he's not got a lot longer. He's gone. He's gone. Right. He's Absolutely gone. gone. And so if you then delist John Butcher, that means our entire key forward stock is Dixon, Dougal Howard, Logan Austin. 
Logan Austin's not even a forward. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Who's the, who's the other key forward? No, was it? Wasn't he? I thought he was playing forward in the preseason, wasn't he? No. No. Oh. oh, there you go. There's my bad info. So two then. We've got two. Um, that's worse than our ruck situation. So yeah. That. Yeah. That means. I mean, if we're making those list decisions, if we've let our list deteriorate to the point where we're going into the next season with one key forward with AFL experience and an untried or a virtually untried rookie. We're in bad shape, and we need to get into the draft for real next year. Yeah. Which means it, this should be a big trading off-season, which is big news. Yeah. Mm. I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah. It'd be interesting. In particular, having traded mm. our second-round draft pick, we haven't helped ourselves there. So. No, certainly not. No. <laughs> oh. All right, well, look, we'll move on. Uh, we've got the Magpies game this weekend, which is uh, Saturday at 1.40pm versus Woodville, West Torrens at Woodville Oval. Um, Frampton, as we've already discussed a couple of times, I think is out with an angle, uh, ankle. Hewitt's out with a finger injury. Uh, Carlisle's coming back into the Magpies side, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes and if he's got positivity that he'll break back into the top side. Mako, got any thoughts on this game? Uh, I'm hoping to get to it. I'm hoping this will be my first Maggie's game for the year, so... Uh, fingers pro- fingers crossed I can make it. Um, the defence looks really good. Um, Bobby Carlisle back there, that's fantastic. Tommy Cleary and Logan Austin, um, that's a really strong SANFL defence. Um, I would be hoping that we would win this game, to be honest. Um, it was good to get a win last week. Hopefully we can continue that form. Uh, really looking forward, obviously we've just spoken about him, to see Johnny Butcher. Um, Want to see him have a really good performance, kick three or four goals. Um, really important that uh, Summerton's back in the side as well. Mm, absolutely. You mentioned there with the defence with them, was Carlisle, Austin and Cleary. Like, that's a... For Sanfell, as you said, that's an excellent trifecta. Do you think Carlisle will almost be given that's as good as That's as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah, right? Do you yeah. think Carlisle's probably now at the stage of his career where he's kind of under instruction to be educating the other guys in the SNFL, maybe? Like, maybe he'll stay around, stay at that level and be teaching Austin and Cleary how to defend properly? Do you think that might be a thing that ends up happening? We've had that happen uh, with senior players at Port before. Oh, look, he is a senior player. I would hope that he would be doing that autonomously without being told. Mm. You know, he's of that age bracket. Uh, he would understand that um, his time would almost be up at Port Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I think he's around the, the sort of 29-year-old mark, similar to Westhoff as well. Um, so, yeah, certainly he should be um, helping teach and and sort of leading uh, Austin and Cleary on their positioning and structure and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Got anything else you want to talk about for the Magpies game at all, or should we move on to the wrapping it up? Uh, wrap it up, I reckon. All right. Well, we'll do the, the key ones. Um, who's going to win the Port game, and what's the margin, and what's your highest goal kick? who's your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? I'm going to say Port Adelaide by 21 points and Chad Wingard to kick four goals. Nice, nice. I'm going to be overconfident. I'm going to say I reckon Port will win by about 60. Um, and I, okay. reckon, I, I reckon our number one goal kicker will probably be... Um, I reckon... Oh, it's safer to go with Dixon. Let's say Dixon. Dixon's going to be our high goal kicker, but it's not going to be by much. There might be a couple on the same number of goals, and it's probably going to get three or so, three or four maybe. Okay. Yeah? You think I'm way yep. off base there? Uh, well, look, best case scenario is we do win by 10 goals. Obviously, yeah. I mean, that that would be fantastic. I think we've got the side, uh, we've got the form to do that. Uh, it's just whether Port Adelaide turns up to play this week. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right, and now for your immediate for this week, one for Port Adelaide and one for Carlton. My immediate this week is going to be Jimmy Tumpus, who yeah. I think is... Had a pretty good season to date. Uh, his numbers are very, very good for the sort of role that he's playing. Um, maybe his skill level could be uh, or could improve a little bit, quite possibly. He's making a couple of errors. But um, outside, outside of that, I think he's played really well. Uh, but I want to see him hit the scoreboard. So I'm going to put uh, Jimmy Tumpus down for three goals this week. That's a good one. Um, I like that thinking, and I think it was just last week we were talking about um, Tumpus and his quality of possession. I think he was ahead of both Pollock and Eber in terms of what he was doing with the ball, so unless mm. it hugely changed last week, I haven't rechecked the stats. I think he's doing, for a contested role, I think he's actually still got a pretty decent possession um, quality at this point, and he's adapting to a new role. 
this contested ball's way up. He's just playing. He's playing a very different role to what he did at Melbourne, and really, he's playing probably a different role to what he did as a junior as well. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree. I'm pretty confident in Tumpus is sort of on an up, upturn, or he's, he's on the up at the moment. I guess is the best way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess my immediate for Port Adelaide while we're here, I reckon. I really do. I reckon it's going to be. Burn Jones in the midfield. I really do. I reckon that's okay. going to be a matchup. I reckon he's going to get a go in the midfield a bit more. All I right. wouldn't be surprised if he did get a tagging role. Yep. That's my big call. But there you go. But it is a big call. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't be against it. Mm. And Carlton, who's got you worried that might pop up and just really destroy us, potentially? Oh, well, it's just got to be Liam Jones related, surely. Um, I'm going to say that Liam Jones uh, is going to take at least four contested marks and okay. will kick three goals for the first time for Carlton. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to pick um, Matthew Kreutzer because we uh, we all reckon, like, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of respect for him as a ruckman. And with Lobby out, it might just be that Lobby actually, this was an important matchup for him and we might get a little bit exposed. He might just think, oh, mm. well, he might have that little bit more confidence in winning that contest than he usually might. Trengove isn't going to pay him as much physical attention, like just constantly hanging off his back as uh, Lobby would, because Lobby's pretty... That's one thing he does do consistently, is he does sort of loiter around and like a bad smell around the opposing ruckman. I don't think Trengove would be doing that. He'd be trying to win the ball too much. So All right, I'll go with Kreutzer. I think he could be a worry. Okay. Um, bet your house. Fair enough. Bet your house, Macca. Oh, I found this one really tough this it's week, really... so I'm going to say you go first. Okay. I reckon we are due for an Ollie Wines resurgence. Um, okay. I'm going to say Ollie Wines is going to get at least 25 disposals and say eight clearances. Okay. I reckon it's going to be a good. good game for him. Oh, I'd like that. I'd like to mm. see that. The only thing I could think of is I'm going to bet the house that it's going to be a sub-20,000 crowd for the first time since <laughs> 2006 between Port and Carlton. Uh, I see. Mm. Not sure why. Uh but, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of this week, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's not a great time for the match, I guess. But the fact it's indoors might make it a bit more beneficial. Like, if it, even if it rains in Melbourne, you should you can still get to the game and be okay. I, I, I don't know. Sub-20,000, that's a, that's a really big call. I don't know. If you well, want to take it, go for it. <laughs> it. It has happened before. I think we've averaged around about sort of 23 or 24 in the last sort of 10 years. Um so it's probably not too far off happening. Not, not for Carlton, though, surely. Yeah, that's yeah, about twenty three to twenty four thousand mm. per game against Carlton. So, but coming uh, three wins in a row. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the, that's the question. Well, that's why it's bet the house, isn't it? Yeah, I you've suppose make, so. You've got to make the big calls. All right. Well, that's why I'm hopeless. Well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and now we'll just move on to the competition, which is now in its uh, end game, I suppose you could say, uh, which is to win locker room tickets for the Port Adelaide versus West Coast game, which is on next weekend. Um, yes. To do this, all you need to do is fill out a review on iTunes, uh, giving Port Fan Radio a five-star review and hopefully writing something fairly witty. Um, I did ask Mac and 19 to provide maybe an example of a, a funny or good review. Did you manage to get a chance to do that, Macca? No. Nah. Didn't do nah. it. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we can make that a, a thing that when you pick the winner, you're going to read it out and we'll see how it goes. Oh, I'll definitely read it out. Yeah. yeah I'll definitely right. read it out. Yeah. So if, but if it, is, it is completely random, so the wittiness won't have any sort of say in the actual oh. end result. Oh, uh, it is a, a completely <laughs> sort of random... Um, I'll do I'll do like a random sort on uh, Excel or something and uh, hopefully the winner is witty. I've got to say, that disappoints me a little bit because I really would have liked to see something like an interesting Matthew Lobby review of uh, Poor Fan Radio. That would be, <laughs> that would be, that would be great. Well, maybe <laughs> we can read out some of the, uh, some of the interesting ones um, okay, cool. next week. All right. But yes, you've got until, uh, yeah, you've got, what, three days left to, uh, to get involved. So whoever hasn't um, got involved and put in a review, um, here's your chance to win uh, some locker room tickets, which is a great thing. So uh, yeah. get involved, people. And and don't forget, if you've got kids and they've probably got an iTunes account as well, you can always just write a review from them as well and do like three or four or five and increase your chances. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, we just knocked over the hour mark and I think we covered pretty much everything, Macker, unless there's anything you'd like to add. No, not really. Just right. win. 
just win. I don't want to see us losing to Carlton again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be there this time, so we better not. I'll be very upset if we do. Mm. Mm. All right, well, I guess there's one thing left to say, and that's Khan Ports. Khan Pit. Khan Ports. Butcha. <laughs> he ignores it. He goes long to even. Bouncing ball. Back of the pack. Stuart Jew. Box back there. Needs to rush it. Jew off the deck. Oh, oh. The Jew kick. The ball. Has slowed it. <laughs> the ball back.